Hello and welcome to Switch It, where this week it's all about the Benjamin. Other brands of all-rounder are available, but after his performance in the second test at Old Trafford, Ben Stokes is more valuable than a 48-pack of Andrex. Soft, strong and long might have been the description of his 356 ball 176, and England will be hoping he'll be on a roll behind closed doors for the rest of the summer. Stokes was the headline act, but he has had plenty of support across two enthralling tests, with England and West Indies going toe-to-toe, or whatever the socially distanced equivalent is, locked at 1-1 ahead of the decider again at Old Trafford. Scheduling issues prevented us getting our pod on last week, but we're planning to make up for it, with one of England's great pairings back in harness. George Bell and Mark Butcher ready to prove the doubters wrong once again. <laughs> <coughs> Butch is a test cricketer, you can have choice of ends. <laughs> how, how are we the both? Glad- can, can, we just, can we scroll forward to the end? <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, we've got to go through the pain, the hard yards, get the overs in the legs. Uh, <laughs> are we both uh, glad to be back in the saddle? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of uh, <clears throat> lockdown saddle soreness aside. Yeah, yeah, very, very lovely to see the uh, the old sausage there, surrounded by his wisdoms as well. <laughs> What's the surprise title on the bookshelf today, uh, George? Oh, there isn't one. I forgot to do it. Oh. But, but there is a nice picture of my daughter Livy here. Oh, okay, is in a permanently angry state with me, <laughs> so maybe that'll help. <laughs> that, that's just parenthood, isn't it? I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, good. Well, lovely to see both your smiling faces um, over the virtual means. Uh, it's it's been bubble and squeak so far, with two last day final session finishes, uh, despite the English summer threatening to rain on our parade. West Indies took a deserved lead in the series after sealing a memorable chase at the Aegeus Bowl by six wickets and were seemingly a session of good batting away from retaining the Wisden Trophy before a mad fourth evening in Manchester when Stuart Broad found some of the old magic to help turn the game. Um, Butch, what, what impressed you most about England's performance in winning there despite the loss of a day to rain? <coughs> um, well, I mean, the first innings batting, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of pretty standard. Um, that if you have bowling resources, um, the likes of which England can call upon, even even with a second string attack, um, as this one uh, clearly is, uh, that if you score, if you put four hundred on the board, you give yourself a, a damn good chance of, of winning a Test match, particularly against a, a team, um, you know, that, that doesn't have a single batsman averaging over forty in Test matches. So, um, yeah, I think the, the patience um, shown by both Sibley and uh, and Stokes. Both of whom made their slowest ever first-class hundreds in that. Um, paid dividends in the end. The game sped up towards the back end, which is what you what what you hope a pitch and a, and and cricket matches will do. So, I think that was pretty impressive. I think Joe Root's <clears throat> declaration was impressive. Um, you know, I watched <laughs> watched Strauss make sure that you had that extra extra seventy runs on top of five hundred run leads and and miss out on winning Test matches against the West Indies. <clears throat> <clears throat> on two separate occasions, yeah, um, and was you know was desperate that that England wouldn't do the same, make the same mistake in Manchester. They didn't. Um, I thought you know obviously, without Ben Stokes, um, sort of being able to put his foot down the way that he did, they might not have might not have had that extra time. But you know th- th- this guy is um, this guy is just extraordinary. Um, and so yeah, I mean, look, it, it was more than a one-man show for sure. I mean, Stokes, Stokes quite rightly takes the headlines for for, for the victory. 
Um, but uh, but all in all, I thought the, the the team played really really well, and all of the moving parts in it. Um, you know, Sam Curran coming coming in for Archer, Wokes again proving that he's you know he's just Mister Mister Dependable. Um, what was it? Hundred Test wickets in 34, 34 Test matches now. Yeah, thousand um, runs and hundred wickets. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was a it was a really solid performance. Um, you know, di- difficult to get away from the fact that the West Indies are uh, are still not not much cop in the in the batting department. They're but they're not. Um, Brittle is the uh, yeah brittle <laughs> the, is, the is absolutely term. right. But but England did 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 everything that could be asked of them and more to win the Test match. Indeed, and having lost the first one of the series. Uh, George, I, I think you said in one of your session reports on, on day four that England uh, were in need of a miracle. Um, Broad provided the spark, perhaps, but it was it was Stokes walking on water in that second innings as they uh, uh, put enough uh, daylight between them and the Windies to give themselves time to, to bowl them out. Yeah, um, I don't I mean I don't have much to add to what um, Butcher, but it was... Uh... I think West Indies were only an hour or so from safety on that fourth day. Uh, and that second new ball was absolutely crucial. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, you, you know, everyone's already spoken about how great Ben Stokes is and was. And uh, there's no reason to think he won't carry on doing it for another five years. I really uh, I really think he should. I mean, he's a, a great all-rounder at the peak of his game. Absolutely no reason why it should end. It's not like it's... It's not like he's ever been lucky. Uh, he's he's just a brilliant player in, I think, all conditions. Don't think he's got anything left to prove, really. I mean, you've said before, kind of the the uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics side of the argument, George, with uh, Stokes's uh, career numbers. Uh, well, they're beginning to head in in the in the direction of very, you know very very impressive. Um, well, I think it's thirty eight with the bat and and thirty one or two with the ball now. Um, but his last twelve tests, he's averaging sixty two um, with four hundreds and and twenty nine with the ball. Um, I mean, that's in in the sort of the very top bracket, isn't it, Butch? Oh man, he's he's. I've been thinking quite a bit about about Ben Stokes and what it is that 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 impresses me most about him um, and I think I think what it is is in there there are very few um, great cricket players that any country produces but even, even more so perhaps um, in England and there are various reasons for that some of them are, are pretty dull and some of them I think are quite interesting and uh, and the interesting one for me is that um, Generally speaking, you don't have to be that good to really stand out as a, as a cricket player in, in England. So quite often you get people who are, who are very, very good players. For, uh, Andrew Flintoff, for example, very, very good. But because this, being very, very good kind of elevates you to a status that is, that, that is way beyond most other cricket players, it's very, most, most people don't push themselves to be, to be better than that. And I think the thing that, that really is mind-blowing about Stokes is that if pre-Bristol, he still would have been sort of England's most recognisable, most you know, you know, dynamic, uh, match-winning you know, player, player and would have had all the accolades that, co- that go along with that. Post-Bristol, uh, he's kind of he's elevated that to a level whereby he's still trying to get better. He's great now and he could be the best we've ever had. And that's, I think that's an incredibly rare thing in, in English cricket. 
I think that there is something about our psyche and the way that we play the game at club cricket and even at first class level that kind of that, that almost puts a ceiling on people's ambitions in terms of how good they can get. And for me, his 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 extraordinariness not, lies not within the, you know the fact that he's you know a, a, a batter that can smash it out the park and a bowler that can bowl ninety miles an hour and catches pigeons at slip because we've had guys like that before. It's the fact that he wants to be better than that, um, and you see it in his training and all the other things that that sort of people people say that that make him stand out around the group. It's just the fact that he is driven to become the greatest that that he could possibly be to get every tiny last ounce out of himself, um, and and leave nothing, and leave nothing behind. And I think that's the extraordinary thing about him. It's that it's that will to be to be extraordinary. And very few people have that, I think. We've, we've seen it from players in other countries. Coley, I suppose you could say that he was one, and Viv Richards and people like that before him, and um, you know De- Richard Hadley or somebody like you know th- these guys who wanted to be the absolute best that they could possibly be. And I would even say that, that Ian Botham perhaps wasn't as good, as great as he could have been. Um, you know, you put you put some of the, the the modern Stokes mentality into into Beefy back in the day, and bloody hell, you know, imagine what he'd have done. So that that. Sorry, it's a bit long-winded, but that's kind of what's been going through my mind about him. <laughs> that, that's a, a, a beautiful insight into into your last few nights sleep, uh, Butch. Um, <laughs> but uh, George, we hear a lot about uh, kind of from the team about how uh, Stokes sets the standard. He's you know that guy in training, the the, the one that the uh, the younger players look up to. Uh, obviously, the man that Root turns to. Um, Captain C didn't go quite so well for 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 various reasons one one game one loss there but he he came back in in pretty extraordinary fashion uh, in his in his usual all-rounder role um in, in that second test two completely contrasting innings um and then the usual sort of uh wickets and catches and and um running after balls are destined for four and stopping them just before the boundary anyway yeah, but what else do you expect? Uh, so the, the fitness thing is uh, really uh, extraordinary. I, I, I think we first saw that really on that Sri Lanka tour um, where he was, you know, obviously it's extremely hot and humid and he was doing sessions on his own after all the others had finished and they were not little sessions. And um, I'm reminded of him bowling, where was it in Colombo? I think he won a test with the ball bowling quick on a slow wicket and he bounced a couple of Sri Lankan batsmen out and he did the same thing the last over of a very, very hot day. Uh, he he sprawled to the boundary of his own bowling at long off and uh, saved the ball and uh, Trevor Bayliss later saw him uh, coming down to the gym. <laughs> you know, he's taken it to a different level. I, I, I would put Jimmy Anderson, I think, in the same bracket. Not many seamers get more skillful or better at 35 and he has uh, him and Richard Hadley, and that's just about it that I can remember. Um, uh, and that that's pretty extraordinary. So he's compensated, I would say, for his diminishing pace with learning more tricks. It's extraordinary. Um, so it's it's brilliant to have that. I, I would love uh, Joe Root to uh, learn from Ben Stokes in that regard. So I think Ben Stokes, uh, Joe Root, could be even better than he is, and he's obviously brilliant. In terms of the captaincy, uh, I wouldn't take for granted how uh, brilliant it is that Ben Stokes went back into the ranks without a grunt. Absolutely happy for Joe Root to take over the captaincy. Delighted, I think, actually. Uh, And I think uh, 
Joe is the right man for the job, uh, partly just because he wants to. Uh, and I don't think anyone else who's a viable candidate does. Um, but I, I thought Ben Stokes did a fine job as captain. Didn't work out, but, you know, I'm not sure that was his fault. I thought the decisions he made about toss and selection were completely reasonable. I actually agreed with both. Uh, time may have proved them wrong. Uh, but, you know, whether they were right or wrong, as I keep saying, these things aren't right or wrong in a black-white sense. They're just shades of grey. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But I thought they were brave and I thought they were reasonable. And that's what you'd expect from him. So, absolutely, he can come back and captain another time. But what an incredible asset for Joe Root. And maybe you don't want to diminish uh, Ben Stokes in any way. Because whatever you think of captaincy, I think over time it probably does jade a player. I think it's wearying, you know, dealing with us, dealing with all the meetings and nonsense that goes with it. Having to have meetings with Ed Myth every few hours. Uh, that, that, would, that would tire a fella. Uh, so I think um, it's that, that dynamic is really healthy and fine. And you can think of a lot of examples in history of where a very ambitious player's gone back into the ranks and been a bit of a surling pain to the, to the main captain. Absolutely none of that with Ben Stokes. So... Um, uh, you know, for all the stats and the stuff, uh, for however good they're looking, don't underestimate what a positive influence he is, and also the versatility, the versatility which, or the adaptability, which is such an asset to his captain. You know, at the moment he's been used as a battering ram, he's been used as the short ball enforcer, and he's doing it well. But he could do a lot of other jobs. He can, you know, he can swing the ball, he can ball spin. We've seen him do that in a test match. You know, whatever you want him to do. I saw a piece. Cumber it was suggesting he should be more like B.J. Watley, and I, I, and you know it was a an attention-seeking headline, but there was a, there was kind of a reasonable point somewhere in there. But I thought that if he wanted to be more like B.J. Watley, and if you gave him a month to do it, he would be better at being B.J. Watley than B.J. Watley. His <laughs> B.J. Watley's parents would go, you know, we prefer this one. Uh, he, he's just extraordinary, whatever he turns his hand to, and we're terribly lucky um, to be watching him because. I don't know if you remember at the end of the game the other day I was asked, wasn't I, do you mind writing about Ben Stokes again? Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, it's a complete delight. And, uh, Go on all those, all those tests that he's won for England or been involved, take him out and England are losing a lot more games <laughs> right now, yeah? No, I mean, they, they, they really aren't a particularly yeah. good side if you take Ben Stokes out of it. So uh, as cricket lovers anywhere in the world, whatever side you support, I think we're terribly lucky to have him, but he makes England a much more fun side to watch. And, you know, uh, um, yeah, there's several years more of it. I hope no reason why not. I think um, since his debut only, Stephen Smith has got more Man of the Match awards uh, in tests. I think he's, uh, Stokes has just edged above Coley. So that's, you know, that's good company. But, I mean, you can see why Root would want to be captain when he's got that in his um, armoury. Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, look, the, the the whole having a player like that. I mean, put it this way: if if Ben Stokes can't bowl in the next Test match um, through injury or whatever, he'd have to he'd play as a batsman, obviously. Um, but if you had to, if you, if Ben Stokes had to be out of the England side, that's not two players. I think that's three players you're missing. You know, I, I really think so. Um, you know, you think about the win in Cape Town. Wouldn't have happened without Stokes's bowling in the into the last hour, burning hot day, flat pitch. It wouldn't have happened without the seventy nine that he scored. In you know he went out, took it on off his own bat on the on day four, I think it was. Yeah. 
to come with, out with, and, have a, and come out and have a slog, basically. With Dom Sibley alongside him again. That's uh, right. Do, he gave, he dropping basically, anchor. And, and we, I asked. I remember asking Joe Root at the end of that, at the end of the day. Oh, you know, when when did you come up with that plan? He said, Well, we didn't. Stokes, he just decided that he was going to go out there and smear him to all parts. Um, and do you know it, what, Butch? Yeah. Do you know what, Butch? I've got a theory that England might not have won that Leeds test without him. Do you think so? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, they, they might have struggled in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's it. Like, yeah, three players, maybe four players, if, 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 you, if you take him out of that side. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that uh, just going back to George's point about the, the captaincy thing, about Ben being happy to hand it back over. I mean, there was a telling, it was a, a telling sentence in his interview um, with Wardy from the diary room, diary room during the test match where he said, you know, I'm more than happy for him to, to be back doing all the stuff with the press, as you know, as George mentioned. But again, it sort of goes back to that whole thing about the, the, the all-rounder is already, is already the most influential man in the, in the team. He doesn't need to be calling the shots and doing the press and doing everything else as well. You know, he's kind of, he's already leading the side. <laughs> he just doesn't have the title and the extra 250 grand or whatever it is you get for being, for being the <laughs> captain. But I'm sure he's making up for that shortfall in other places. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it's... It is a privilege to watch him, and I completely stand by what I said about you know about the likes of both and and whatever else. I think he could be the best we've ever had. I I, I sincerely believe that. I could, the the best has ever been, barring Sobers. Um, you know he continues. Yeah, he's not on, as good as Sobers. It continues on the trajectory that that he's on. I don't know about the both thing. I you know he he, they're just different. They're both fantastic. But no, I, very, I, no, I agree with you. Different. But all I'm all I'm saying all I'm saying to you is this: is that if the that wringing every every single last piece out of himself and being as driven as he is to be the to be the greatest, is it is it it's kind of it, it feels to me like it's coming from a different place than than rather than rather than being I am I am the best cricketer in the world look at me I'm amazing, um, on the one hand, which there's nothing wrong with that, and and and, and basically just be, trying to be the, the the best player that he possibly can so that England win lots of Test matches. It's kind of there's there feels like a slight difference in where in the angle that he's coming at it from. Yeah, um, and it's he's just, just uh, and, and that's a personality thing, I think, more than anything else. And there's nothing wrong with it, either personality. It's just different, as you say. He's less uh, new Ian both, and maybe the new Ricky Clark. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, if you put it that way, uh, I, th- I then, think. Uh, um, then, then you sh- deserve to be certified. <laughs> <laughs> so I see some men in white coats approaching uh, over the back of the. Actually, the there's probably a serious point in there somewhere. In that, if Ricky had learned at twenty, you don't have to go down this route. No, genuinely, no, no. If Ricky had a, had a lot of other players, yeah. If they learned at twenty-one, what uh, Ben learned at something like twenty-six, whatever he was. Um. Butch will agree with this, I'm sure, that how many cricketers have we spoken to who at 30 realised what they might have realised when they were 20 and had started to fulfil their talent when it's become too late? Really, I mean, yeah. hundreds. Yeah. No, exactly. And Ricky's one of them. I'm not saying he would have been as good as... No, but, Stokes, but it goes... But he, would have been an inc- he would have been a fantastic cricketer. And there's actually quite a lot out there who are like... They look, Ricky Clark's had a fantastic career. Of course he has. But he hasn't... <laughs> how um, have we got here? 
Because we're looking, at, we're looking at how you make the most of your ability. No, and there was a crossroads moment in Ben Stokes' career, in which, his life. Which, which I mentioned at, at great length yeah. in the beginning, at the beginning of my, my diatribe about why I think Stokes is incredible. Yeah, I mean... And, and, and every young cricketer could learn from that because they all seem to think it won't happen to them or that they can, I don't know, they, they don't have to embrace the work ethic quite as much. And they realise too late what the demands are. And if you look at those two careers, Ricky Clark, Ben Stokes, you realise the way to go. And I don't think Ricky would mind me saying that either. I just think that... Um, uh, well, God, for, it's God, not forbid, just... God forbid that Ricky would mind anything you said about him. But it's not, it's not just <laughs> luck and it's not just talent. No. There's a hell of a lot of hard work in there. No, it's not. And, we're and talk, again, we're talking goes, about... The... That, goes, <laughs> goes back to, that goes back to the exact point that I made, which was that... Which was that it, because there are so few players who who who, are, who have that sort yeah. of elevation in this country, it's very easy to have had to have a perfectly respectable and decent and even an even great career, without having to go to the lengths that Ben Stokes is pushing himself. And this is what I'm saying. That's my point. The yeah. point is, is that somebody like Ricky, if we if we're going to stay there. Um, is was is quite capable of being taken, you know, taken on as captain of Derbyshire, as being seen as one of the best players in county cricket, without really having to to put himself out a great deal. And that was that's my entire point about Ben. Ben could still have been England's premium all rounder, could still have been England's match winner, could still have been all of those things at the level that he was before. But he's decided to go beyond and beyond and beyond that, and that's what and that is what gives him his his great. His great strength at the moment is that he's just he's decided not to settle for for what most people settle for, which is to be he's being better than he thought he could be and better than anybody else thought he could be. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the great all rounders here, so I, it's obviously inevitable that we got to Ricky Clark. I think with um, both of them certainly you look at the the the, the stats, he kind of exploded uh, onto the international stage, didn't he? And then the the second half, or even like eight or seven or eight years of his career, there, there was a sort of a slow tapering off, certainly statistically, whereas Stokes is going the other way. Um, but uh, and I, I'm sure that, that Ben will make a worthwhile appointee to the House of Lords in due course as well. Um, t- t- talking about the, um, uh, the, the effect that Stokes has on the team, uh, we saw before the series that Dom Sibley um, uh, lost, I think, about 12 kilos or something in it, and he said that that was kind of the example that had been set when they were out in Sri Lanka that had made him kind of think, oh, I've got to go this extra mile. Um, he, he delivered a lengthy sermon, the Vicar of Sibley uh, at Old Trafford. Um, continents have moved quicker, George. But uh, although there was an undercurrent of excitement when it briefly looked like he might score the slowest 100 by an Englishman in tests, in, in the end, he, he, he quickened up too much. But what, th- 312 it, balls, was it? Or something yeah, like that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sure the figures and, and the stroke that it, with which he got there is lodged in your memory. Um, but it was I think given. He was, he was three balls. He was three balls faster than Athers, which was the mm. slowest this century. Uh, yes, in Karachi. Uh, it, or, yeah, in Pakistan yeah. in two thousand. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, Athers, I think, had a slow one at home. Maybe Keith Fletcher had a slow one at home as well. Something like three hundred twenty-nine balls. Um, but yes, given England's deficiencies in the first test, you know, it, Ben Stokes 
won the toss as captain, chose the bat, and then the team put up two, a meagre 200. And this was, uh, and, and Sibley, of course, got a duck. Um, this was kind of, you know, really applying yourself nose to the grindstone. Uh, we are going to get 400, even if it takes the best part of two days. I thought that uh, he has been exactly what England required. And although it's not always riveting, you know, I think there's room for a bit of light and shade in test cricket. <laughs> it is played over a long time. But it was completely justified. I mean, England do not win that game without Dom Sibley. Second time he's done it in, what, four or five tests. Um, I think he's uh, absolutely what England need right now. And I hope that people bear with him. Because when it does go wrong with the likes of Dom Sibley and Rory Burns, it will look ugly because of the way they do things. But uh, So they're going to have to keep churning out the runs. But I hope he's won a really extended uh, period there. And there was a lot of talk about his um, supposed weakness down the leg side. And it's something he's going to have to work on, no doubt. You're going to go for a lot of runs as a bowler if you bowl a batsman like Dom Sibley's hips. And the only reason they're doing that is because he is tight as hell outside off stump. So both Sibley and Burns, I think they're quite similar in a way, um, are, are, are really, really good at leaving the ball. And I know that sounds like a a, a boring, uh, fundamental part of the game, but it, but it is, isn't it? And when you have England's middle order... It's just what you need because they can speed up uh, and I thought they played much more sophisticated test cricket in this game and I thought it's uh, yeah we, we've definitely got room in the England lineup for a Dom Sibley um, but she yeah I mean the those the technical side of it's been in long talked over but kind of mentally and, uh, and temperamentally uh, he, he seems to have um, you know quickly found his feet because this is only his third series yeah, what, eight test matches, 200s, a couple of 50s. He's, he's going great guns, believe me. Um, and, yeah, I, I completely agree with George. The, the, the two of them at the top of the order, both both guys who, who, who know how to make quantities, large quantities of runs back for, for long periods of time, exactly what England need. There's, you know, there's just no two ways about it. And... Um, you know, Alistair Cook, if you're talking about techniques and people who, who, who look awful when they're not going well, then you only have to look at our, our leading run scorer in Test cricket to, to know that looks aren't everything. Um, and, you know, for sure, I mean, I think, again, going back to some, some of the, the interview that Ben Stokes gave, you know, the, the appreciation that he has for being able to bat with somebody like that, um, for, the, for, the extra, for the extra sort of um, gift of... T- more tired bowlers and, and, and older balls to bat against when people like Stokes and Pope come to the crease, they're, they're all for it. So I think, it, you know, England, the, the other thing it's done, um, amusingly, is, is it's meant that we've had some quite interesting and exciting test matches going into the final day. <laughs> you know, the, the games are lasting longer and you're getting the, you know, going into the last session of the last day, albeit we've lost time in these two in England, but... Um, it's you know it's kind of meant that the, the game is being played at a sort of a, a, a pace more more suitable to the amount of time allocated to play the game. Um, also bring spinners into the game too. I mean there's another there's a side effect for, of all of these things. As with most things in cricket, you you make a small change in one direction, there's a there's a there's an equal and opposite reaction in another, um, and the, and your spin bowlers are going to be very happy. Uh, having uh, having a, a batting lineup that is capable of, of batting long periods of time, creating wear on the pitch, putting runs on the board that gives them a bit of leeway to bowl some crap every once in a while, all of these things have a positive effect elsewhere too. 
Um, on the subject of old-fashioned batting virtues, George, this um, was the fourth 400-plus score in eight tests under Chris Silverwood. Before that, I think once in 22, uh, the pre- preceding 22 under Trevor Bayliss. Uh, I mean, it, it, that is just one um, stat, one example of, of the emphasis that um, Silverwood and, and Joe Root are now placing on uh, you know, batting big and making those sort of old-fashioned match-determining scores in the first innings. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's very welcome. England obviously tried the got-to-be-positive approach, and uh, it had patchy results. It made them a, a, a very good fun to watch, but not terribly successful test team. And Silverwood seems to have um, be be ready to re- apply a bit more v- uh, rigor to the way England go about things. So uh, that's very welcome. They've chosen specialists generally to to do to fill those positions rather than you know try to ask. I mean that Jason Roy asking Jason Roy to open looks more extraordinary by the moment to me. Uh, unfair on him. Um, anyway, that that that's in the past. They have learned from their mistakes, and you can can't do any more than that. And they're benefiting from it. I mean, there's a long way to go. England, uh, you know, there 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 are lots of questions about England's batting still. But it does feel like a few steps in the right direction. That's right. Indeed. Um, Butch, between the first and second test, um, Joe Denley was, was finally sacrificed. But, it, I mean, it feels like there might be a, a, a little... Oh, <laughs> you know, metaphorically. Um, it feels like there might be a little stone carving of him blocking it, standing in the middle, uh, standing in the corner of the changing rooms that England make periodic offerings to. Or at least Ed Smith does. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, look, as, as I think I might have said a few <laughs> weeks ago, that if, if, we hadn't, if we hadn't had no cricket at all this summer, then Joe, it was unlikely Joe would have started in, in, the, in the Test match side, I think. I think that his, you know, his, his, his last innings should have been at the Wanderers um, in Test matches with a, with a thanks very much, you did a, a terrific job, exactly what we, what we needed at the time, but we can do better and, and you know, You've had your chance. I mean, you know, at the age of at his age, um, you kind of you have to kind of get going, don't you? You can't sort of come in and and, ha- and take twenty test matches to get it, to get into it at thirty two or whatever it is. You kind of got to do what um, uh, what Mister Cricket did, um, Mike Hussey. You know, you've, mm. you've waited all this time. You kind of you're at the peak of your powers, and you you and you come into the side and you make an impact straight away. You know. That's what, all that, 60. <laughs> that's what all that experience is supposed to give you the ability to do. You know, you, you hang around with people making their debut at 22, 23, 24, maybe 25. Um, and so, look, you know, it, it, he, did a, he did a job. He was found wanting. I mean, his biggest, his biggest issue really was, and, it, and it's an extraordinary thing, is that his, his advanced years and his advanced experience of, of batsmanship, that he had no way of getting himself off strike. You know, he, he did not have the ability to nudge the... He hit a lot of lovely shots straight at fielders. Did not have the ability to get himself up the other end and just to keep his score moving and keep himself out of the out of the road. Um, and if you're having to learn how to do that at his age with as much first-class cricket under his belt as he is during test matches, then I'm afraid it's not the place for you. And that's, you know, it sounds harsh, but I think I think it's fair. Um and and so that was his problem. That's what did for him in the end. And uh, you know, 
the fact that he the fact that he didn't make a, a test match hundred is, is a real shame because it would have been a lovely thing to have had on his on his CV. But I don't think he's going to get the chance to now. If uh, <coughs> if England had uh, said thank you very much after the South Africa tour, I think he would have exa- averaged exactly thirty, which would have you know been pleasing on many levels. Um, George Zach Crawley took his place uh, after much discussion uh, um, for. Uh, the old traffic test, uh, moving up to number three, uh, and then promptly got a golden duck. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, of course, England will be looking to give him a run there now. Well, I hope so. Uh, I mean, to put it in perspective, that was the first... Was that his sixth test? I think he improved his highest score in mm. each of his first five. Yeah. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't going to be sustainable, probably, was it? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, it was, looked a bit... Sloppy, but it, it, I thought it was quite clever bowling, a, a little bit dozy batting. Second innings, he went for a big swing selflessly. It happened, so I wouldn't hold that against him or Joss Butler or anyone else who, who went in that way. You know, Zach Crawley is a wee bit fortunate. Uh, he has been promoted on promise, no doubt about it. But a lot of other people have had a go. And the thing is, I think he's 12 years younger than, than Joe Denley, and I think he has a higher ceiling. So I've seen two or three things from him which I thought were really exciting. One of them was at um, Joburg, I think it was. Uh, very quick wicket, probably the quickest in the world, arguably, anyway. And he scored 60-odd. I think he hit 11 boundaries, I'm thinking, something like that. And they were all in front of square. I think if you're going to go to Australia, that bodes quite well. He's got a lot of time. Uh, I, I wish, like just about every young English batsman, that he was hungrier, like um, Dom Sibley. Uh, and, and he's the beneficiary of a lot of things, not least Joe Clark's off-field... I don't know what to, what to say, actually, because Joe Clark did nothing wrong, but Joe Clark's loss of form, I suppose, would be the simple thing to say, because uh, I think he was probably the next in line, and, and various other people having sort of failed as an opening batsman. I think he's absolutely fine choice, and having gone that way, I think he probably does deserve a run. Um, and uh, one thing about him... Don't know how important it is, but of all the people I've seen come into a squad, uh, he is the only one that I've seen whose fitness matches Butler and Stokes when he's first come in. Because usually they come in and they're like, wow. Uh, and they struggle to keep up and they go away and they learn and get better. He, he's come in and he's like a stag. Um, so I, I, there's a lot to work with. And uh, yeah, I hope they stick with him. Three seems fine. And I hope he, to be honest, I hope he gets the summer at least. Um, one of Ed Smith's other a big selection calls that Joss Butler to keep. Um, are we, uh, Butch, are we about to see the Joss Butler redemption like Andy Dufresne? He's crawled through a river of filth, should we say? Is he going to come out clean the other side? I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't <laughs> know. Um, I, I still, and it's, it seems baffling to say this about somebody like Joss but I still think he doesn't quite know what it is he's supposed to be doing and I don't think his his head has um is is being is able to compute batting in test matches which seems incredible really um I mean don't don't forget that this time last year or was it the year before now I can't remember but the the bonkersness of him playing as a as a batsman at number 5 yeah, I mean, well, yes, he 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 was still a specialist batsman. Specialist this batsman time at last year, five, yeah. You know, uh, if took, ever, took the if, back in and, and look, and I was one of those who, who was calling for for Joss to 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 be seven and and keep wicket. 
I didn't think that that would be at the expense of Johnny Bairstow. I just thought you'd swap him over. Johnny Bairstow stays in the team as and plays as a batsman, and Joss goes down, and you know that that was that was what was going. That was the dynamic at the time. As it is, Johnny Bairstow has now disappeared without a trace. Ollie Pope bats at six, but Joss looks just kind of looks lost um, as a batsman, batting at seven, um, in. Uh, in the Test match arena, his keeping's been fine. There's, well, there was the blunder, wasn't there, down the leg side, Blackwood in the first Test match, which may mm, may or may mm. not have uh, been very, very yeah, costly. Could have, could have been significant. Um, but generally speaking, you don't notice him tremendously when he, when England are out there in the in the field, um, and he, he keeps okay. You know, he's not as good as Ben Folks, but none of them are. Um, but with the bat, it's just I, I can't I can't fathom it. I don't understand why it is that he just seems so hesitant. Um, you know, there is nothing definite about the way that he he approaches um, his footwork or the way that he's the bat swing or anything like that when he walks out to bat in the test matches. And, and I, I, I don't understand why. Well, I, I've got a few theories. I mean, I don't know why we're expecting him particularly to succeed as a batsman in test cricket because he's played over 100 first-class games and he has no sort of record, really, as a batsman against the red ball. So why are we expecting him to come into test cricket and perform better at a higher standard. So I don't think he's got a technique that's particularly uh, good against the moving ball. And because of that, I don't think he's got very much confidence because I'll keep saying it's competence that breeds confidence. And I think he knows he's not great again. So I think he's got one more test. uh, And uh, I think he's very, very lucky to have had this many. Is he capable of turning it around, scoring a match win, etc.? Yeah, sure he is. Uh, Of course he is. If you gave a lot of people 44 tests, a lot of English batsmen, I think they would score you a century or two. Ben Folks scored one in his first. Uh, but I think, you know, if you gave Sam Northeast, for example, 44 tests, I think he'd get you three or four centuries, probably. Um, and I think he's been extraordinarily lucky to be backed for so long. And it's worth saying how many people have been uh, inconvenienced or even dropped to accommodate him. You know, obviously Ben Folks, but Johnny Bairstow was going along fine at six and seven. And he was moved up to even three, five, whatever. You know, Johnny is a sensitive fellow who needs a lot of love and support. And instead he was moved around and started to doubt himself. Moeen was moved to accommodate uh, Joss. Ollie Pope, in his first incarnation in the side, was batting way out of position. Everyone's been moved to accommodate Joss Butler and Joss Butler has not delivered. And, you know, it's all very well having loyalty of selection. But what about the loyalty of selection to Ben Folks? What did he do wrong? And I think he's a much better wicketkeeper. I mean, there was a there was a stat that went round. This is what I, I... You know, the new data thing in cricket? Data, mater. There's a lot of crap talked about data. Uh, so there was a stat that went round a week or so ago when Joss Butler dropped that catch. It's the first catch he's dropped as a wicketkeeper since May 2018. He was a bloody keeper! <laughs> he didn't start keeping until November 2019. I mean, that, so it's like saying, because, OK, I'll tell you, I, I probably should. You haven't but, dropped many catches uh, uh, in tests recently, well, George. M- m- Mike Selvey uh, texted me and he said, God, I'm glad I'm not, I didn't get the selector's job because, you know, we'd fall out or something like that. And I said, well, if you kept on saying that you should be playing with... Uh, you you were picking people you played with. Yeah, we probably would. And he said something like, Mike Gattin hasn't been dismissed this century. And that's, that's the sort of stat that uh, you, you end up with in these situations. You've got to be so careful with stats, eh? Anyway, Joss Butler, everyone wants it to work out, but it hasn't. And he is a great 
white ball cricketer. He might be England's best ever white ball cricketer. So let's let him concentrate on that, not not risk um, ruining him with disappointment. Disappointment's a terrible thing for someone to face. And I think that uh, he, he is in danger of being remembered for his failures rather than his successes. Uh, and, and, and a bit more um, specialisation between these formats would do no harm at all. And I, I actually think they're persisting with him, mainly because Ed Smith won't accept he's wrong. I think his incredible stubbornness on these issues is what... He picked Edley, he picked Bess as well, actually, instead of Moeen, and he picked Joss Butler. Those were his sort of character picks. It was not working out. But, you know, if you make mistakes, learn and change. It's, it's the stubbornness that's part of the problem. As I, I say, I, I was asked. Sorry, to, I'm ranting now. No, 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 it's fine. I was asked to do, to to pick to pick two teams, like, and you couldn't ha- the pl- players couldn't play in both. So you had to choose between Ben Stokes playing white ball or, or Test match. I went for Stokes in Test matches, and I think I went for Bearsto and Butler both to play in the one day. If the, if they couldn't play in, in both, I'd have both of them in the one day side, and I'd have Ben folks keeping wicket in the in the Test match side. Um, but I think they're they're worth they're worth in one format outstrips their worth in the other. I mean, you know, Stokes in Test matches, of course, you'd want him in both, but you can't. And so for for me, Stokes as a Test match cricketer has has far more far more potential to do damage just simply because he can be in it for longer um, in Test matches than in one dayers. And and I, I agree with you, George. You know, if, if you if you're having to make the call into which that which England, funnily enough, have had to make the call because of the bubble situation with the between the, the one day side, the the white ball um, squad and the red ball squad, um, that you would that for sure you would certainly have um, Bearstow and, and Butler on the white ball stuff, and and I think it clears the way for a, for a specialist um, four day batsman. And special, absolute specialist wicketkeeper in the Test match side. So you know, I would have no issue with that whatsoever. And just remember that Ben Folkes was player of the match on his ODI debut and dropped afterwards. Now it wasn't a particularly um, uh, exhilarating ODI or anything. It was a very low scoring thriller in Dublin, as you might remember. Um, but I thought it showed... Thriller is a, uh, an interesting well, choice of words. Well, it kind of was. It kind of was. It was just for the World Cup. I think, it, was it, it, Joff- it was quite a tight game, yeah. Was it Joffre's <laughs> debut? Yeah, um, uh, I think that's right, it, yeah. It was bloody cold. I remember that, uh, da- anyway. David uh, Milan got a game eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, I, I'm a geek. I like all these things. But I thought um, Ben Folks showed great character resilience under pressure to see England home from an almost hopeless position, actually. And that, you know, for all that people say to talk about loyalty and helping people to feel comfortable, why does that only apply to Joss Butler? What about the people who are left out? The loyalty of selection thing's beginning to annoy me, if I'm honest, because it only seems no. to apply to some people. <laughs> well, no, it just, it's not consistent. It's, it's not consistent at all. You know, they, they stuck with, for example, uh, Joe Denley quite a long time after it became apparent that his ceiling was whatever it is well how long did they stick uh, stick with say Gary Ballance I mean I think he was averaging 44 or something when he was dropped anyway uh, it's fine maybe there are complications with with Gary Ballance but th- th- I think the issue stands some people get a lot more loyalty of selection or continuity of selection than <laughs> others I think uh, the fact that you've taken to calling uh, uh, Smith Ed Myth has conveyed quite succinctly your, your view on this, George, but um, obviously he's not picking your favourites, so this is the place to rant about it. Um, well, it's not another... my favourites, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not meritocratic. 
Well, no, no, because I'll always come down just, to this. Why did you Why did you throw that wasp in his put that wasp in his shoe? You knew that was just dangling bait. <laughs> well, uh, we were just about to move but, on, and now yeah, we were. We were. Let's let's do it because <laughs> let's let's end it on Gary Balance isn't in the team, and uh, Josh Butler is. Um, <laughs> Another another debate, a uh, meaty debate that isn't going to go anywhere this summer, uh, one which is perhaps being had right now um, uh, among the, the corridors of power. Um, England's best pace attack. Now, I don't want to leave us too much of a hostage to fortune here. England may or may not announce an 11 or, or a squad later today. Um, they played three um, quick bowlers at the Aegeus Bowl, James Anderson, Joffre Archer and Mark Wood, and then they completely flipped that round at Old Trafford for the for the second test, uh, Stuart Broad, Chris Wokes and Sam Curran playing, partly because of a, um, a self-inflicted punishment on Joffre Archer and his uh, his bubble trouble. Um, but uh, both of you, what what is your view on um, who should play this next test, regardless of, of, of what we find out in, a, in the next few hours' time? And... and how to manage that over the course of the summer. Um, Butch, I can see you winding up there for a, uh, <laughs> to run in. Well, I mean, look, I, the, the first Test match, I, I wouldn't have played... I would, Broad would have played in it, the first one, for sure. Archer would have played in it, for sure. And then you can take your pick out of the, out of the third. I wasn't. I, I. I didn't. I wasn't one of those people that thought that Jimmy Anderson should 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 play in that Test match simply because Jamie Jimmy got in, you know, limped out limped out of the last two that he that he'd played in, um, and uh, hadn't played any cricket. So he was as much as a, of a gamble as anybody I thought in that Test match. But to leave Stuart Broad out, I thought was an extraordinary call in that first Test. Um, but anyway, that's that's where we are. Um, for the last one, now you know, we're in a position where it's a decider. First question is, is Ben Stokes fit to bowl? That's the first question. After um, his uh, indigestion or whatever it was. Well, that, yeah, no, oh, but oh, it wasn't that because he, he ended up going off. He, yeah. yeah, he had ball some stiffness. Into, a, into yeah. an over, didn't he? He was actually yeah, I mean, injured. He, he had the indigestion thing where he went off, then he came back It was back four on. balls into an over. He, he was stiff. He bowled a lot. And, and yeah. he, he said he remembered that the last time he felt like that, he ended up rupturing his calf. Right. So he just the game just was one basically. As a precaution. So uh, as a more mature cricketer, yeah. he didn't feel the need to take the last wicket because I think he's also quite a low ego cricketer. Mm. He he just let someone else bowl, and I thought that was smart. And yeah, I expect, fine. I, I expect he'll be you okay. You expect actually. he'll be okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in in that case, I think you know, I would go broad, broad Wokes, Archer. Wow, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 That's that's what I'd do. Butcher disses Anderson. Even though um, even though Broad and, and Wokes have, uh, have just played and, and sort of put in a, quite a few yards to, to get England no, that four-day four es- win. Especially because they've just played, actually. I think, you know, what what has shown up in the in the, the two test matches that we've seen, and this is from both sides, is that both bowling attacks have taken at least a session to get themselves anywhere near, and in some cases it's taken nearly three-quarters of a day. Um and so, you know, under those circumstances, you you don't want to be playing three three back-to-back test matches in these circumstances, but I think these boys are more than capable of playing two. And that the benefit of having bowled recently and having that in their legs will outweigh the, the detriment of it. Um, if it was the third test match in three, then yeah, then, then it's something different, but it's not, it's the second. And these boys are more than capable of that. But one thing that they all struggled from on both teams was rust. Um, from having not bowled in, in matches for ages, 
um, which is why I, you know Broad and Wokes looked like they were absolutely on the money by the end of by the end of that test. Um, and and Archer is is your man for for the flatness of what looks like it's going to be another flat pitch, at, at, uh, which is harsh on Sam Curran again. But you know you're talking you're talking Sam Curran partnership breaker nip the odd one out to a bloke potentially taking fives and sixes and, and and winning test matches so that's that's why I go that way um, yeah uh, broad um, George I think his sort of combined spell from the end of the the windy's second in first innings to the, over the start of the uh, second innings we took something like six for twenty five in twelve overs. Um, and he talked a bit about getting into rhythm, as Butch says, kind of, uh, I think, bowling bowling short uh, during that period on the fourth day uh, kind of helped him get, get through his action a bit and so on. But, I mean, it it was a, a kind of a bit of a reminder of the broad of old, a, a bit of a riposte after being dropped. But, I mean, as you pointed out, he, he hasn't taken those five-wicket hauls uh, regularly in England over recent years. Um, do you well, I think, think it's one in five years, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and and I mean, do you think that he's made his case to to stay in the side, or will the temptation to bring back uh, James Anderson kind of uh, hold sway? I, th- I thought he I thought he did beautifully. I mean, I I thought he was, uh, I thought it was quite punchy to give that uh, Sky interview. I thought he kept on the right side of uh, reasonable. And then <laughs> yes, he during, during the first test, having <laughs> yeah, it was an extraordinary thing to do. Um, I, I mean, it, that is really unusual to give an interview halfway through a test saying how disappointed you are. And because he is an eloquent, experienced man, he got away with it. Uh, but because everything, you know, as I say, you want him to be disappointed. He I got praised for it, didn't he? he, he you know, he Stokes did, but and that, Silverwood, they all said, know, oh, we yeah. want that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, the modern player is very powerful, though. I don't think that would have happened under Andy Flower. Anyway, for right or wrong, because I'll say again, I thought he was absolutely stayed on the right side of what was reasonable. But it was an unusual thing to happen. And then he backed it up. And that's the really important thing. So I'm going to sit on the fence a bit. And I don't m- mean to. But how could you say without... I'm going to sound like Peter Moores. We don't have all the data. <laughs> I don't know what the pitch is like. Data schmater. I don't know what the pitch is like. So I suspect, because it was two to the side of the one we played on the other day, that it will be a wee bit quicker because it's had a bit more sunshine and a bit more rolling. Uh, and that would bring Mark Wood into the equation. I don't know why he isn't more highly rated generally. Um, you know, Mark Wood at his best is quite something. I think he's probably England's fastest ever bowler, isn't he? You know, he got what are his, what are his. Here we go. Here's one for you then. What's what? Yeah. What are Mark Wood's numbers in England? I can I, because uh, in, yeah. away from home, I think home, he averages about fifty-five or something. Right, that's what I thought. Away from Big home, cook. away from home with a with on a kookaburra on quicker pitches, absolutely. Here, yeah, you yeah. need to you need to be a little well, bit that, more. That's sort of what I'm stuff. saying. That's sort of what I'm saying. Mm. That if if the wicket, is, well, yeah, Old Trafford though can be probably the quickest wicket in England. So I, I, don't, just I saying, don't think this one will be, mate. I mean, I listen, suspect it I, won't how, be. But how, how? How? Tell me this. What? What? What were the groundsmen? What did the groundsmen have to say about the fact that you know, about the fact that the pitch at Old Trafford was nowhere near the sort of pace and bounce, given that they've had no cricketers getting in the way of them preparing pitches? No, they for haven't. The last but it's but it, but but it has rained since May. <laughs> so why it? it rains every bloody year? <laughs> uh, it rains, it, I, I'm and normally the excuse that we get from them is that the, the, there are too many games on we can't get the rolling in we can't look do this, I don't completely do disagree with what you're saying it was a slightly <laughs> disappointing well it was a disappointing, disappointing yeah. pitch 
Oh. But I, uh, it has been pretty rubbish, hasn't it? So, Mark, Mark Wood's one option. There, there, there is no player, no England bowler, that I would play on every surface anywhere in the world except Jofra. He's the only one that I would say I'd definitely pick. Everyone else, you're looking at how they've recovered after the tests. I, I, I don't know how Chris Wokes is. I mean, I thought you bowled beautifully. I'm always inclined to play Chris Wokes. He has a wee bit of batting as well. Uh, I, I would be really surprised if they left out Jimmy Anderson. I mean, Chris Silver, was it yesterday or the day before, he referred to him as the best we have. I mean, that's a clue. Um, so I, I think, you know, and, uh, and and that's fine. You know, when thing, when nothing's happening, you can throw the ball to Jimmy Anderson. He'll go for twos or even under. Uh, and you know what you're going to get. Um, I, I, I just wonder whether Broad... Uh, who bowl beautifully, get is a bit more difficult to drop than Chris Wokes. Yeah, I, don't, I hope that doesn't come into the equation, but I think it might. I, I, I what I think it, I think they will do is Broad will play, Anderson will play, Archer will play, and Wokes will sit it out. That's what I think. I think that's entirely possible. Mm. I, that, I, I, most likely, not what attack. I would do, but that's what I think they will do. Yeah. Well, it's fine. It's absolutely yeah. it's a super attack. Anderson, Broad, Archer, with Stokes and Bess, probably, actually, yeah. uh, is, is what I think they'll do, yeah. yeah. But uh, all I would say is that Mark Wood is underrated, and if the wicket is quick, and it probably won't be, there's, uh, I, I would want Mark Wood. He, he offers something that nobody else does, and I get why Ben Stokes picked him. Uh, and and uh, I think he bowled 22 overs, and I think the, or 21 overs, and, the, and the last over had two or three 90-mile-an-hour balls in it. I mean, he was relentlessly fast, Uh so, I, I, again, I'm just not sure you can judge completely on the stats, but Joffre is the only one I'd pick in any conditions. Um, a minor correction, I, I just looked it up. Mark Wood averages 45 in England, so um, there we go. Um, yeah, and, and just, just on that, just, just on that mm. you have to make a distinction between Mark Wood's career before and after the, the run-up. He's a just different cricketer. So um, he hasn't really played very much in England since uh, he, he lengthened his run-up and his ankle seems to be better. Um, I, I would be a bit careful about taking whole career stats with him because I don't know how many st- uh, tests he's played since. Four, I think, maybe. Uh, he's got two fifers. One of them is a nine for. Um, yeah, I think he's played he, two, uh, two tests in South Africa, one in, in the West Indies and then one here since... Okay, uh, so so in three, so. I would say in all four of those, he's bowled really well, actually. In all four of them, he's bowled really well. And in two of them, he's produced player of the match-ish performances. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a bit underrated. And I'd say again, if the wicket were properly quick, I would always play him. Because he's quicker than Joffre. Um On Joffre, Butch, obviously in trouble for his uh, breach of these biosecurity protocols uh, we've discovered on the morning of that second test that he was going to be dropped for having um, stopped off at his home on the way to Manchester from Southampton um, he's obviously had a, uh, taken his medicine he's been fined, he's served his period in self-isolation, England have talked a lot about supporting him um, and he could well come back into the team for tomorrow, uh, um, what did you think of that whole episode um, and, and how England handled it? Well, I, I mean, they handled it entirely correctly, entirely the only way that they, that they could have done. Um, you know, credit to to Joffre also for 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 confessing um, to it. Um, what, what else could they have done? You know, the whole the whole series would have been would have been called off, wouldn't it? Had had that not had that come out in another way. Um, once the test match had already started, so that was that was handled as as well as it as it possibly could have been. Um, as for 
as for Joffre, um, you know, the article, uh, his interview in uh, in the papers this week, sort of bemoaning his um, his lot um, for being in the spotlight, etc., etc. It was a little bit curious, I think. You know, it sort of sounded like a guy who's been in who's been in it for 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 ten years, not not one, um, and uh, and perhaps he might do well. To remember that, that this has only happened through his own, you know, through his own fault, really. Um, and I, you know, look, I've stood up for for Joffre, um on this pod and and you know on various other uh, broadcasts um, where I felt that the criticism of him, you know, not trying or not putting putting in etc. has been completely unfair and at times bordering on um, bordering on sort of racial slurs. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan, but I think on this occasion. Take your punishment, shut up, and wait until you're given the uh, the jumper again, and uh, and come out and and uh, and prove to everybody what a great bowler you are with your with your deeds. Um, so on. that's you know that's my that's my feeling on it. Um, Spot on. I, I don't think he did himself many favours with that column either. All uh, you know the idea that anyone is interested in which sock he puts on first, mate. Um, I, I'd actually as if any. Uh, a friend to Joffre right now would put their arm around his shoulder and look him in the eye and say, you know, get a bit of sense of perspective because it's really not that important. You are not that important. None of this is that important. Uh, he, he seems to have a little bit of a perspective issue right now. There's a huge amount of goodwill to Joffre Archer, but he screwed up. He screwed up and you get criticism when you screw up. And sometimes best you can do is say, sorry, I got it wrong. Um, Boy, everyone will welcome him back. Um, so I, I hope this is just a little blip. It might be that it was a bit clumsily spoken in his column. It might be nothing more than that. Um, I, I very much look forward to him um, uh, roaring in and bowling as he did at Southampton, where he showed everything. He showed he showed his pitching up skills where he can swing it both ways like uh, James Anderson, kind of. And he showed he could go short like no one in England at the moment, maybe Mark Wood. Uh, it, it was brilliant what he did there. He showed all his skills. Uh, and that's what we want to see. Um, I, I'm sorry he feels hard done by. I thought that was, I thought they got the tone of that piece really, really wrong. Um, but as I say, maybe it's just a, a one day thing and maybe it'll be better when he's back in the environment. I guess it's easy to get things out of perspective if you're stuck in your hotel room. You know, you can't meet other people. You can't realise that we're all a a tiny dot of nothingness really in the great scheme of things. Um, so I, 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 everything he does does seem to be magnified, partly because he, he lives out his life on social media. And I wonder whether that might be something that's going to be uh, difficult to sustain. I mean, uh, social media is, I think, probably difficult for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is. Uh, and, and, I, and, and I think, again, that the England team, the England sort of management, etc., all understand and realise, you know, the asset that they have in Joffre. They also understand and realise that he's a very young man, so they're going to put their arms around him and they're going to they're going to bring him in and they're going to make him, you know, make him realise how much that they appreciate him and and what he brings to, to the team. Um, I have no doubt about that whatsoever. This is a pretty enlightened, enlightened England group um, that, that that he's involved in. So he couldn't be in a better place. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, the other guys. Nearly all of the other guys, you very rarely see them tweet anything, say anything, unless they're like punting something or, or supporting somebody else. 
they very rarely make any sort of comment, very rarely, you know, post anything of any note whatsoever. And, and that's deliberate. Um, you know, I cannot imagine, you know, if, <laughs> playing in the, in the, the late 90s and sort of early 2000s, what it would have been like if everybody in the world had a, you know, everybody in the world is potentially a reporter. Um, you know, with a phone and a, and a camera and et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't um, seem to be making a distinction between, though, the, the media and social media. Yeah, well, so if someone, and he is getting some horrendous things said to him on Instagram. I checked his Instagram feed mm -hmm. in New Zealand that day. I bumped into him after someone shouted something at him. And I checked his Instagram feed there and then, and it was horrendous. Yeah. It was horrendous. But you have to be very careful at not allowing one nutter and they could be anywhere in the world to to ruin your day when there's a thousand people saying, go Joffre. Because it does happen to all of us. I mean, I think I've had a death threat in the last week on Facebook. And I've got a private Facebook account. <laughs> and maybe I should do something about it. Maybe is, I should. Is it from, but, is it from a family member? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, th I thought it was... Um, I wonder if it was something to do with... I can't remember what it was to do with, even. I don't know, some people would be able to find it. I, I, maybe I misunderstood it. I, I wrote back, I said, is this a threat? Because I wasn't, wasn't quite sure. But, but the difference is, I'm a lot older and thicker-skinned in every way, uh, uh, and I don't probably care as much. And it, I, I guess it's very difficult, but maybe he will just have to come off social media. I, ju I just think it's... If he's going to let it bother him he is going to have to find a way to deal with it. Mm. Uh, and the other thing I'd say about social media for all of us is that I find that for everybody, the praise is very often more damaging than the criticism. And he's got to be a little bit careful about not living in another bubble where he's just surrounded by people who are telling him what he wants to hear. I'll say again, a friend of Joffre right now doesn't say, poor Joffre, you've been desperately unlucky. They say, Joffre, he screwed up, make it right. That's what a friend does. A friend doesn't always say um, what you want what the person wants to hear they they tell them hard truth sometimes in in a in a in an affectionate way of course this isn't the end of the world this is a a fairly minor blip so let's let let's nobody get it out of perspective but he did screw up and there's no point feeling uh particularly uh hard done by because actually i thought the ecb got it spot on and they could have been a lot harsher i thought ashley giles uh interview press conference spot on he said can't do this, could have been extremely costly, but it's, he's a great lad and everyone wants to look after him and uh, support him going forward. It's the first time he's ever done anything remotely uh, uh, untoward. Perfect. That, that's all that needs to be said and all Joffrey needs to say in return is, yeah, you're right, I, I, I made a big misjudgment. I'm really sorry, I'm going to do my best. And that's it. And everyone, there's a huge um, willingness to see Joffrey do well because for English cricket in particular, he is special. Uh, and I, I don't think there's any nastiness there. I just think that um, just, but maybe I'm saying to the people surrounding him, you know, agents and stuff at this sort of time, maybe it's at this sort of time they have to say the tough things privately, of course, and they may well have done. So anyway, I'm ranting again. <laughs> well, he is fantastic to watch and we hope we're back to talking about that uh, soon. Just a, a quick uh, couple of other bits to, before we wrap up. Oh, Don Best, I think, maybe uh, deserves a word. Um, George, I think you um, touched on his selection earlier, but he has, um, well, had a, a, perhaps a bit of a difficult experience in both tests, but he came good with a couple of key wickets on that final day um, at Old Trafford Butch. Yeah, and and's made a couple of um, good contributions with the bat as well down the order. Um, look, he's he's learning on the job. He says so himself. 
Um, and he, he hasn't bowled badly at all in, in any of the test matches that he's played in so far, post his, his first introduction to, uh, to test match cricket. Um, and, you know, I, I had I'd somebody, back to social media, but I had somebody tweet me yesterday saying, oh, well, surely Leach will play in the, in the next test match. And I was like, well, no, I, I, well, I wouldn't do that. Again, for the reasons that I mentioned in terms of getting, you know, improvement, um, and if again, if we were talking about a batter, if we were talking about somebody else, the loyalty of selection would say this guy's had, you know, he's taken a five for in his last three t- three tests, four tests, um, has 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 taken key wickets as you mentioned there at the back end of winning the, the last test match. He's doing a good job with the with the bat. He's growing in confidence all the time. Why would you cut his legs off now? Um, and so yeah, I, I, I'm pleased for him. Look, he's not he's not as, he's not as complete a bowler as Moeen is. There's no doubt about it, but they've made, they've ended up where they are with mowing due to Mo's loss of form um, and a, you know a, and a spat between himself and, and selectors, um, and you know there, there's no doubt about it. Who's the better cricketer right now, Moen Ali or, or Don Best? Moen Ali. No, there's no question about it. But Mo's getting ready to to, to do battle as vice captain in the one day squad, um, and Don Best has the has the jumper at the moment, and and I'd be very very happy to to stick with him. And to see if that arc, you know, the curve of improvement continues on the, on the upward. Yeah, I think that's all very reasonable. They're, look, they're looking for someone who can play in Australia. And uh, Mo obviously had a poor tour with Australia, no way around it. Um, and they reckon that Don Bess is the sort of character he is. He seems um, competitive, brilliant fielder as well, you know. Um, good all-round cricketer. They think that he might be the sort of guy who could um, do a job for them in Australia. They might be right. I mean, he'd have some tough days, wouldn't he? But they might be right. And is he... Yeah, I, I can see where they go. Personally, I'd be picking Moen. Uh, I, I think Moen, of all of them, needs a lot of support and needs to be told how special and valued he is. I don't think Ed Smith has made him feel that way at all. And uh, I think that's something that they could have done better. But, you know, it's from where you are right now... I think I, I actually I just agree with Butch. There's no more to say. Um, this is obviously a, a pod about English cricket, but a word or two on the Windies, without whom uh, we we wouldn't be doing any of this. Um, they played the same eleven in uh, two tests. Um, but Butch, uh, do you expect maybe some changes for this third one? They've got perhaps a couple of issues with the batting order. Uh, Shy Hope has uh, had a lot of rope, but that um, may be running out. Uh, John Campbell hasn't produced much at the top. And, and the bowlers, mm. perhaps understandably, were looking a bit flogged, um, the, 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 um, the pace quartet towards the end yeah. of that uh, second test. Well, Sh- Shannon Gabriel barely made it through the first innings of the second Test match, did he? I mean, he just looked looked uh, like he had an ironing board in his in his trousers um, on the backside, <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> the backside, yeah, not in a good way. So I'd be very surprised if he makes it. Um, I think they might bring in Reefer, Raymond Reefer, left armour mm-hmm. for him. Um, and the other, I mean, the other options are, are you know, big O'Shane Thomas, who's who's rapid. Um, I'm not sure how he's doing, sort of fitness-wise. He's, he's mm. kind of he's, he's built for getting through four over spells in T20, <laughs> I think. Um, but that's another option for him. Chamar um, Holder's the other Hol- one, isn't he? That... Holder, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think they might go. I mean, if they looked at their numbers of of, uh, of, of English batsmen against left armers, I think they'd probably go with Reefer. <laughs> um, so there's that. I mean, with the batting, that's real difficult because 
Shay Hope, I, I think I read somewhere that has averaged less than uh, less than um, uh, what's the Kemar Roach? Kemar Roach, that's the one. Yeah. Less than Kemar Roach in the last two years. Um, one of Matt bat. Waller's uh, stats, I think. Yes, the... that's where it came from. That hence I forgot. You know, he's so he's so small and, and um, so uh, so, so they got to look. I think that the, he he's got to the point now where you kind of got to put him out of his misery a little bit, get him out of the firing line because he just you know the the, the numbers are just atrocious for somebody who can obviously play. Um, but the problem for the West Indies is you know him and Campbell struggling, no worries. Is that the, the three guys that they have in in reserve, Mosley of Barbados, Ambris of St St Vincent, De Silva, the the Trinidadian. Wiki keeper batsman is that they have they have it barely over thirty in first class cricket. All three of them; those are the replacements that they have. Um, so you know, you 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 could win and you could lose. Nothing might change. You might swap them out and end up with with exactly the same productivity, i.e. zero. Um, but I think for for perhaps for Shea Hope's future confidence that getting him out of the firing line probably is long overdue. And for that reason, I bet he plays. <laughs> I bet he plays. Um, well, they haven't bought. But, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say they haven't bought a, a, another opener, have they? They haven't bought a reserve opener. Well, Ambris doesn't Ambris open? Did I, I, can do the job, well, I think. Didn't, but, yeah, um, I think he does. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, Fair I play. think he does. But uh, but yeah, but he averages thirty. First class cricket. Well, one of the things with one of the things with averaging thirty and regional cricket in the Caribbean is that they have played on some pretty dodgy pitches in the last few years. They're getting a wee bit better now, but I, it, you know, I can see why the averages wouldn't necessarily be particularly flattering. Um, I, I thought Campbell had a really poor game in that, that second test because his fielding's not up to it either. I mean, I hear that they're going to play Cornwall, uh, who looks like, who, who, you know, who, I don't know, do you need two off spinners? Maybe. Well, you got you got three, really, if he plays. He's amazing. Just for, simply for, for sort of like the game of cricket and the, the, uh, you know, the, the way that the fans of, of the game of cricket love a cult hero, right? the more people that see, uh, get to see Raheem Cornwall, the better, because he is an absolute, he's, he's a genius. He's nine foot tall. He's like, it's, it's, you put the helmet on him and he looks like the, you know, the, the character out of, what is it? It's the mountain, isn't it? Out of um, out of oh, Game, Game of Thrones. Of Thrones yeah. He's just absolutely <laughs> all... vast. This man. Yeah, he can bat. He can bat. But you know, he, you he you can... put him at you'd put him at five or six, wouldn't you? In in a batting lineup in Test matches. Um, and he, oh, and maybe he gives la- it, la- and, he, la- and he gives it a, he gives it a proper old rip. But he doesn't. So so you would you put him at eight? I think actually. Right, and, and then and, and bump and Jason... up Chase Chase and Blackwood. Well, at Jason Holder, but the problem is he doesn't look in very good form with the bat. No. I mean, that's 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 really held them back, hasn't it? But but he's I, batting I at eight they, anyway. I mean, that that is too you, that's too low, isn't no, it? No, but you want to put him yes. higher, I think. Yeah, but but the pro, I think they have to drop a batsman. Yeah, and then if you play two spinners, maybe you could still play Shannon Gabriel because he's 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 actually his bowling held up pretty well. He looked stiff as as Butch says, but. I mean, crikey, he keeps going. I, I, I thought he's he's been an admirable player, and he deserves better fielding than he's getting. But he looks so he looks like could... he might snap in too. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Well, he does, and you'd have to again. That's the sort of thing that's very hard to say because we're not a trainee. Yeah. Usually, we're a trainee, yeah. and we could tell you with a bit more knowledge what's going on. And we're guessing, really. Mm. So, I, I, he's if he's fit, he's hard to leave out because he does offer something. Reefer's um, a good bowler, but he's a lot slower. Mm. And, uh, but Tom, and, and Thomas she, is quick. Thomas is as quick. 
which is again, yeah, yeah. Well, you've, you know. you've I, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't in the proper squad as well. So that, that, De Silva, for example, is in the reserve, so they would have to decide whether to change the squad. So I mean, that shouldn't be a big deal at all. I wouldn't have thought whether it, it, it you know, Caribbean cricket, whether whether it means someone in one of the boards somewhere is going to say there should have been a board meeting and then call for Phil Simmons sacking again because they weren't notified. Anyway, <laughs> I, I mean, really, uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult situation for them. So uh, if Rakeem plays, you may be not losing a lot in terms of uh, batting. He, he could bowl some more overs, uh, but it depends who drops out. And I would have thought that... I really like Shea Hope, but I, maybe he could do with a season in county cricket to learn to play the moving ball. I mean, the problem is that he probably doesn't offer that attractive proposition to a county right now, does he? Because he's averaging 28 or something in test cricket. But uh, I, I do think he's uh, really good. But that can't go on forever, can it? Just And, and, and John Campbell, I don't think, actually is up to it. But uh, I, I might be wrong. It, it's, it's, it's not all bad. Brooks uh, looks terrific. Um, and I thought the bowling attack has stuck in it well. Achieve uh, Holder's another option you mentioned. He's closer in pace, I think, to Jason Holder than he is to Shannon Gabriel, just to sort of manage expectations with him. I think I've only seen him bowl in the flesh in one game, though. Uh, and it was on a pretty slow wicket at the three W's, so maybe I'm doing him a disservice. But he, he didn't, you know, I, I read quite a lot pre-tour about him being the sort of future of West Indies fast bowling. I'd be surprised, but, you know, I might be wrong. Um, I think Shannon Gabriel is a bit special, and um, I thought if he had better fielders around him, his figures would be substantially better. And, you know, I would much less rather face him than anyone else. Um, one of the other positives to West Indies has been Jermaine Blackwood, who obviously uh, starred in that uh, victory when West Indies were the better side, played very well at the Aegeus Bowl. Um, but their problem with um, uh, with the batting has been conversion, which eight half centuries, but no hundreds in the series so far. Yeah, um I mean, that's why they all average 30, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, yeah, Blackwood and, and Brooks both look, look very, very good, very solid in that middle order. I mean, Black, Blackwood has the, has the sort of the rick in him, doesn't he? But um, and we're, not, and we're not talking Clark um, again. Sure. Uh, <laughs> we're back there. But, um, all roads. But yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're, a, side, they're a dangerous side if, 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 the, if the scoring is low, aren't they? You know what I mean? In yeah. a, in a, in a, it's exactly right. Yeah. In a 250 plays 250 first innings test match, they're a dangerous team. If if because Blackwood could win you a game in a session, right. arguably, and, 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 and Holder, etc., etc. Et and, and again, they have a bowling a bowling attack that can cause that can cause anybody problems. Um, the difficulty for them becomes if England put runs on the board first dig, and then and then they're up, they're up. Up, you know, watch which creek without paddle a little bit. So I mean, so the onus is the onus is very much upon England to do what they did in the second Test match, which is to score score big first innings, whether you're doing it first or second. Um, and then they should they should be able to knock the West Indies over. I mean, that's that's the game plan. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Well, we hope it is uh, another competitive uh, match. It's been a, a, a two good ones so far. Before we sign off, George, just one uh, one last thing. For those who've got this far, for uh, the dedicated uh, biosecure bubble followers out there, what's it what's it been like? You've obviously had had that uh, access, so you've been uh, swabbed and checked and and had your temperature taken and so on. Um, how in, how impressive has that whole um, protocol system uh, been that you uh, as you've seen it? 
Yeah, very, uh, very good. I feel very lucky to have been there. Really um, uh, loved watching cricket again. Um, on the organisational level, they really have done a good job here. I mean, I've got nothing but praise for the ECB. And Steve Elworthy uh, deserves most of that praise. Uh, obviously, English cricket owes a huge amount to the sides who have come over, uh, West Indies and Pakistan. Uh, you know, we have to be extremely grateful for that and be mindful of that debt that is owed to them going forward. Um, in terms of uh, the individual stuff, I mean, it's, it's the safest place to be. We're getting uh, full tests every five days, scanned, screened rather, twice a day. Um, everyone's been fairly responsible. Um, it's been really lovely to watch cricket with friends and colleagues again and, uh, you know, see the test series. It felt like a slice of normality. Uh, so a really great effort to get it on. Um, well done to everyone involved, really. I'm going to be checking into the bubble next week for the Ireland ODI. So, um, well, that is if I pass my COVID test on Saturday. So, well, well I, I'm sure you will. Lost. I mean, you'll be... I, need to get, I need to get out of the house. Got... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not... <laughs> It is a bit limiting, but I, I mean, I, you know, now is not the time to complain. No, no. <laughs> you know, we understand what we're going through. But uh, sadly, I'm not going to be there. But I'm taking, I'm going to take a few days off. Oh. But um, well, give a give a uh, an opportunity to the young fella. Uh, so uh, the heavy roller is going to be there. Oh, instead. is he? Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, you won't see. I won't him. see. No, I won't <laughs> see anybody. Will I? You're not allowed to mix. No. At all. I mean, it's not a social not, thing. Not just because so, you uh, refuse just, to look at Matt Roller. You know. <laughs> No, no. So, so on that score, we 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 don't mix at all. You can't. It's it's. So we don't we don't get anywhere near the players now as we are when during the games. We don't see them, but we're allowed out of the um, ground each day. Yeah. So we're allowed back to hotels away from the ground at night, but the, all the journalists are in different sections. So at Old Trafford, for example, it's two in an executive box, and we eat in the box. We go in the box, and we're meant to stay in the box. Um, so if one of us failed or got uh, turned up on track and trace or something, only one other person would necessarily be ejected for the rest of the series. So there's no um, interaction. It's not at all social, sadly. I mean, obviously, I miss that greatly, but it's still a great pleasure. The cricket's been brilliant. Uh, so it's been really lovely to be there. It's been a proper joy. Oh, well, and the same can be said for this pod. It's been a feast, uh, gentlemen. Uh, that is Certainly enough, I think, to fill the gap between double bubble Old Trafford tests. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rollicking series so far, as George says. Uh, credit to the ECB and CWI for pulling it off. Nice for us to have some cricket to talk about too. Uh, my thanks, as always, to George and Butch and to you all for tuning in uh, to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. We'll be back soon. <laughs>